Let's pray together. Gracious Father, some of us here, this is all new to us, and, and we're excited by it, and everything seems different, and, and each piece, each song, each word is filled with meaning. Some of us have been doing this a long time, Father, and we've kind of given up expectations. We come and do the routine because that's how it's to be done. Father, that's not how you live, and that's not how you live in us. Where you are, as we have already heard and read and said together, where you are, there is life. Bring life to us again. Open our minds, open our hearts, open our arms to you and to each other in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to give you a phrase. It has become important to me. I have proven the truth of this phrase in my life over and over. It comes from a president of Wheaton College whose name I do not remember, uh, but it, he's still the president of Wheaton College years ago. And uh, this is what he said in the midst of a talk one time. When you get what you want, be sure that you want what your wants lead to. Now let me say that again. When you get what you want, be sure that you want what your wants lead to. Any of us in this room who are married understand that perfectly. <laughs> you have children, you understand that perfectly. We all have things we want. We have lists. Some of them are, are big and visible and obvious. Cars, houses, land, a, a job. So some of them are, are more intangible. A relationship, a boyfriend, a girlfriend, a husband, a wife, children, neighbors, friends. Maybe it's our health. But we all have things around which we say, if I could just have this, life would be better. In fact, it would solve a lot of my problems if I could have this thing that I want. Now, Israel is no different. As a country for over a thousand years, they have been in a gradual decline. If you take King David and King Solomon as kind of the pinnacle of their national life, for about a thousand years, a little more, they've just been on a downward path First with, with dissension and rebellion within themselves and a civil war and a split. It never quite got back together. They finally bottom out and go into exile. They come back, but it's not the same. The last prophet showed up, we know, 400 years before, and, and they don't know that. They're just still waiting. And there's something they really want. We would love to have some help a savior, a messiah, a king. We need somebody who can come into the middle of our lives where we are and, and save us, rescue us. Everybody in Israel had a story that started like this. When the messiah comes, dot, dot, dot. And they all had a, a conclusion. He's going to squash Caesar. And while he's at it, he's going to shut up my neighbor down the street who's been a problem and his dog and, and maybe his kids. And, and just they all, everybody had a list of what was going to happen when the Messiah comes. And at first, as Simeon, that old man, 
just snatches up that baby and holds him up. Says, mine eyes have seen the salvation of Israel. And they heard suddenly, oh boy. Now this is what we're talking about. This is it. It's different. We thought it might be somebody riding in on a horse, but if it starts with the kid, we'll start there. And they're all excited. And then he starts to say other things that don't match their expectations. He he moves on after verses 30 and 31. He suddenly says, a light for revelation to the Gentiles. Hold on. Those guys are the problem. We don't need them helped. We need them squashed. And for glory to your people Israel. Good. It's about time to get back to us. And then he says to, to Mary, Behold, this child is appointed for the fall and rising of many in Israel. What do you mean fall? We have been fallen for a long time. We have been pushed down and stepped on. It's them that needs to fall and we need to rise. What do you mean? And for a sign that is opposed, that doesn't sound like a leader coming to unite people. And then he says to Mary, oh, and by the way, this child is going to represent a sword that is going to pierce your heart. And he's going to reveal the thoughts of many hearts. And after they listen to this, I can just hear them. This is not what we expected. This is not how we would thought this, thought this thing would play out. Alcoholics Anonymous has a book that kind of guides them. It's called The Big Book. And it's full of little quotes and one-line zingers. One of which is this. Expectations are just premeditated resentments. When you don't get what you want, you get mad at who was supposed to deliver it. And the life of Jesus fulfills that. The word is he's the Messiah, but he just doesn't seem to stack up to what we expected. And ultimately, people became disappointed. Then they became mad. Judas betrayed him and the high priest leading a group and and little Roman collaboration, they killed him. It's not what we expected and it's not what we want. Jesus tells his own story his own way. And, and we've been reading that this morning, and it, and it summarizes pretty simply. I'm going to make a way out for you. And if you want to get out, if you really want the life you've dreamed of, you're going to have to follow me. And on and on that begins to go, and they suddenly realize that he's not just talking about doing something to everybody else, he's talking about them. Some change needs to happen in their hearts for them to be able to follow him and for them to get to where ultimately they want to go. Jesus did not come to be an influencer. He he doesn't care how many people click like at the end of the gospel story. What he cares about is, do you follow me? Are you coming with me? Are you going where I'm going? Because where I'm going is the way to life. He said it plainly in John chapter 14. I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. There are a bunch of ways to Jesus. There's only one way to God. And that's Jesus. Now, when you get what you want, 
Because I don't know many people who haven't said, oh, I want more of God in my life. When you get what you want, be sure that you want what your wants lead to. Jesus did not come to anoint our journey. He came to invite us to journey with him. Now, one, one last thing here that, that I want to say that I think is one of the most important things Luke shows us. The Gospel of Luke is full of all kinds of people. Luke is the one, he brings women in, he brings children in, he brings people that are kind of on the fringe and the outcast, people that don't just quite fit that religious order, that don't quite fit the image of, of true blue. And, and more and more he brings them in. And, and if you read the Gospel of Luke, pretty soon you're going to find somebody you can identify with. Somebody who makes sense and who you can say, I'm, I'm like them. I mean, we've already met just in this little passage. We've met a new baby. We've met a teenage mother who has a baby, but there's a lot of scuttlebutt about how that baby got here. And some of it is not kind and is not pretty and is ugly. Some ugly things are being said about her already around the edges. She's got a husband, we meet him, but he's not the father of the kid. So, so we automatically we have sort of a blended family here. We meet two old people. Simeon was in this text, and a few more verses you meet a, a woman named Anna, also old, who are devoted, devout religious followers. It says they're filled with the Holy Spirit, and when, they, when this young family and this baby come in, they see what everybody else does not see. They see what God is doing here. And then there's this crowd. <laughs> Can you imagine? You know, we're going to the temple today, and all of a sudden this hubbub erupts over here. This kid, guy's raising this baby up and talking, and people are cheering, and then they're going, what? What? That? That's not what we expected. There's, there's a place... For all of us, there's a role. Luke says, everybody in here is important. This is not a story about a chosen few that everybody else is supposed to watch. And as you read the Gospel of Luke and you see how each of these people has a place and, and has an influence here, you realize how broad this is. Now, Paul's going to talk about this later. And he's going to take the picture of a body and he's going to start developing that. And he's going to say, you know, each of us has a role like a body. has all these parts and pieces. And some of them are really visible and obvious and we work to strengthen some and the eyes look pretty and we worry about our hair. But he said, you know, there are parts that we don't show in public. They're private parts and we cover them. And there are parts we can't see that are under the skin that are absolutely vital. They don't work we don't live. And he wants to say, those are actually some of the most important parts in the whole body, but you don't see them. When we started attending the Anglican church, which was uh, St. Andrews, back in the days it was over at the Lutheran High School. And I'd spent 25 years in the Bible churches. So I come over and I start attending some of the meetings. And we're having meetings for various clergy and other things. Kind of a, St. Andrews has always been kind of a gathering place. And I noticed at the back of the room, there's this row of people. 
And they didn't have any part of the program and they didn't lead a workshop and they didn't show up in a lot of our workshops. And I thought, what are they doing here? And somebody explained to me, that's the prayer team. We don't do anything without prayer. We pray first. Now, I'd come from Bible churches. We talked a lot about prayer. The Anglican church prays. These, and if you've ever met people who pray, they're, they're just truth in lending here. They're just a little weird. Prayer people are just something else. They believe weird things and they do weird things. They say, oh, we'll pray about that. There's a lot of good that's going to do. Well, we'll pray about it. And if you have eyes to see and ears to hear, you'll realize, oh, what do you know? This group, the Anglican churches, the Anglican mission in America, was founded with prayer at the very core of it. Now, when I pastored a, a church and planted a church in, uh, in Hot Springs Village, and uh, there, <laughs> there was a lady there Betty, oh, Betty was a character. Betty came from Chicago. It's where a lot of people in the village come from. And uh, I would say that's part of the problem, but we'll let that go and go wrong. <laughs> but uh, Betty was fierce about prayer. Now, she was also a fierce political conservative, and she kept trying to smuggle in literature. And I kept saying, Betty, no, you will not bring that in here. There's one thing you need to know about me, you have a God-given responsibility to vote, but if you ever bring some political literature around me to say that's what this church is about, you will not want to see me coming. That it, we are not here. The parties, political parties in America are, are not ahead of Jesus. Jesus comes first, and our politics is way down the road. So here I am with this woman who keeps trying to juggle, smuggle her politics in. But she absolutely believed in prayer. She recruited seven women. I called them the seven dwarfs. Two of them didn't even go to the church. They were just friends of hers who also believed in prayer. And every one of them had a day of the week. And every day of the week, I knew somebody was praying for me. And if I needed or knew something was coming, I could call the woman on that day and say, here's what's happened. Be, be sure and pray about this. I probably don't know. Someday God will show me how all of the things that I dreamed about and that I thought were a part of my good looks and charm had nothing to do with me at all. But because they were praying and I have no idea how much harm and heartache I avoided because those women were praying. There is a place for you, and if you don't take your role in it, this church and the message of God and the kingdom of God are going to suffer. It may not be the high visibility. Trust me, trust me, wearing a robe is not all it's cracked up to be. You need to think real careful before you think, oh, I want to be up there. I appreciate the story of the little kid who came home once and he told his mother, he said, I think when I grow up, I want to be a preacher. And she said, why? He said, well, I'm going to have to go to church anyway. I'd rather stand up front and yell than sit still and listen. So, <laughs> Trust me, it's not all it's cracked up to be. 
It's just a role. The important thing, and you need to hear this, and you need to hear this very clearly. The important thing is not what God has asked you to do. The important thing is God has asked you to do it. That's what's important. It's not me. It's not somebody else. It's God. And if God sees and God assigns and God notices, God will reward. And you will will flourish where He has planted you and the kingdom of God will be strengthened and the message will go forth. It's for you. And so every Christmas, that, that little baby needs to be lifted up again. And we need to lift up our expectations and say, Oh God, forgive me. Forgive me for confining you to my list. Show me your list. Let me live as you have asked me to live. Let me live in such a way that honors you and pleases you and reaches others even if I don't fully understand it. And God will answer. And God will provide. You are the story. When you get what you want, be sure that you want what you want to lead to. Just Father, once again, we must come and empty our hands. We must hold them up to you. We must open our hearts. We love regularity. We love dependability. And we love being in charge. And give us anything and we'll figure out a way to run it and manage it so it's dependable and goes the way we think it ought to go. And yet, Father, the great things in Scripture, the great things, even back to the prophets, Amos said, I wasn't a prophet. I wasn't the son of a prophet. But God called me. And throughout this whole story, people have been surprised that you have come to them and said, I want you. And I need you to do this. And some have been amazed. It was beyond them. And some have been offended. We could do more. Father, when we've been offended, it's probably the most spiritually healthy thing for us to realize once again, our pride has gotten out in front of us. So Father, open your word, open your, open your Holy Spirit. May he, may he flood us. May we feast at your table and know you have given us every good and perfect gift. That we might serve you in ways unimaginable that you know and that you will reward. In Christ's name, amen. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord. He was conceived by the power of the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary. He suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead. On the third day, he rose again. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen.
in peace. We pray to you, Lord God, for all people in their daily life and work, our families, friends, and neighbors, and for those who are alone, for this community, the nation, and the world, for all who work for justice, freedom, and peace, for the just and proper use of your creation, for the victims of hunger, fear, injustice, and oppression, for all who are in danger, sorrow, or any kind of trouble, for those who minister to the sick, the friendless, and the needy, for the special needs and concerns of this congregation. Father, we remember Ginger Iyer, Justin Bird, and Sarah Ellison, Vincent Hunter, Carolyn Johnson, Grayla Master, Keith Lynch, Karen Maddox, Evelyn Moore. We pray for David Young and family in the death of Marilyn. Heavenly Father, you've promised to hear what we ask in the name of your Son. Accept and fulfill our petitions, we pray, not as we ask in our ignorance, nor as we deserve in our sinfulness, but as you know and love us in your Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen.